What if I told you that being in the right place at the right time was not a circumstance of luck? What if I told you it's a skill that you could learn and leverage to achieve your goals and dreams? This is the Right Place Right Now podcast with Travis Fields and Brandon Johnson. Garrett Ash is an American author and poet whose self-described goal is to make readers fall in love with the magic of imagination. Garrett recently self-published his book of poetry titled Modern Day Magic. In this book, Garrett takes readers on a dreamlike journey through the magic that hides just beneath the surface in modern day society. A fitting title as we'll learn in this episode. In the spring of 2020, Garrett found himself like many others, unemployed. However, things got worse after a car accident left Garrett injured and unable to walk. Having no job, he had no insurance. He also had no way to pay for his medical bills. So ultimately, Garrett had to move back in with his parents. That doesn't sound magical at all, does it? Well, it turns out when you're confined to a bed, the only thing you can do is reflect. And so he reflected, asking himself, why did the universe put me here? He realized, I have two choices. I can curl up in a ball and cry, or I can devote the energy that I have to finding a way out. He always knew that he wanted to write a book. Now he was given the opportunity to do so. While stuck in bed, he committed to creating three unique poems a day. But having a catalog of poems doesn't make you an author. You still needed illustrators, editors, publishers. That's where the magic happens. Garrett found himself a community that co-signed his passion and supported his journey. In the interview, Garrett says, If I didn't have the standard of life that I knew stripped away from me, I would have never written this book. And that's where the magic is. Let's get to it with poet and author Garrett Ash. Garrett. Welcome to the Right Place Right Now podcast. How are you today, sir? I am good. Thank you for having me, Brandon. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So we were just talking before we got on and we were talking about how sometimes social media works like it's supposed to. And that's how I, I discovered you, actually. I was looking for some guests, stumbled upon this video of you talking about your self-published book that was coming out, your poetry, right? You're putting that out there for the world. Tell us a little bit about that process and a little bit about your poetry and in yourself, if you would. Awesome. Yeah. So this was, you know, a big step for me in terms of uh, self-publishing uh, for a long time. You know, I've, I've done a number of things in life, as I think most of us have, but um, I had always put my passions on the back burner. You know, like it was always it was always something that I would get to later. I, and I guess I, I went through uh, some stuff in, in 2019 and like we all did in the pandemic where I decided I, I shouldn't be doing that anymore. So, um, you know, I really decided to what like I want to see what could happen if I actually put my efforts into doing the thing that I dreamed of. And guess what? It worked out. So, yeah, I did publish the poetry book. Um, super excited about it. I think it's really special and uh, it feels great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is that? So what is the lead up to that? How long? Because it's, it's a book of your poetry, right? But there's also this underlying story. Can you give us a little bit about the book so that we have some context for the listeners? Yeah, definitely. So, right. So it is like a, most poetry books um, for, for anyone who hasn't read them are like a collection of, of poems, you know. Um, this one's a little bit different because like you said, there is an underlying theme and underlying story. And what that is, so the book is called Modern Day Magic. Uh, and the underlying story to the book is a story through kind of six uh, emotional energies 
and how they relate to the modern day. So, you, you know, you start with love, because I always say anything I do should begin and end with love. And, you know, and then we travel through the, you know, love lists, and then we travel through uh, fear, then we become lost, you know, then there is hope. Uh, and then we travel, uh, then, you know, then we find ourselves in the present. And so each chapter represents like, a different energy. Uh, and throughout the book, there are there's an underlying story. So it's not just the poem. There are also words that connect each poem to the next. And we experience each of these energies through the modern day. So it's not, a lot of people think poetry is unrelatable. You know, it's ancient, but um, this is totally applicable to the pandemic, to everything we're all going through. What, how'd you come up with that concept? I love this idea of connecting these six energies throughout this and then tying a story to it. There's, this is complex. There's a lot going on. Where was that stroke of genius from? That's, uh, I guess the, the same way we come up with anything, it, it happens. Um, we like to say there was an aha moment, but usually it's slowly and it's over time. And so I guess for me, um, I've always been a storyteller. You know, that was my thing first is like, I wanted to tell a story. Um, I, when I got involved into social, in social media, I realized that there's no way to tell a story unless you're doing video. There's no way to write a story and have people listen. They're scrolling through too fast. So I decided to get into poetry. I started doing like pop poetry, which is like, you know, micro poems, short little bits that, you know, hit people hard, but are really easy to digest. And I think that goes to, you know, what this podcast is about. It's like, there's, you put yourself in the right situation. You know, I was a writer where I was, it seemed like there was no avenue for writing. Um, so I found a kind of a new way to adapt what I did to my platform. So I, I started doing the pop poetry. And as, I, as people start to respond well to that, I said, like, let me put this together. But I still want to tell a story, you know. So it's, it, that's what I kind of did. I put those poems together in a way where I could still tell a story. That's so clever. I love that. So take us back a little bit in your journey. If you, would. you said you were a writer, did you have this passion for writing at a very young age? Or was there a moment whenever you like came into it and discovered it? I think I had a passion for for hearing stories from a young age, you know, um, whether it was uh, through movies or reading. There was this book I read when I was in elementary school called Julie of the Wolves. I don't think it's popular at all, but I just, I just remember vividly like being there with Julie, like in Antarctica, you know, and, uh, you know, or she was fighting for survival. And I, I thought like, you know, I want to make something like this for other people. Like I want to tell a story for other people. So yeah, so I guess it's in all avenues of life, video games, movies, reading. I've always enjoyed consuming it and I, I like creating those things for people even more. I think it's just now starting to get the attention it deserves. Like we're seeing story, for instance, Travis and I, I don't know if you're familiar with, it's called the story brand. And it's talking about how do you create a brand around a story for your product or your service or something. And you're seeing this in a lot of different avenues. Why is storytelling so important and so powerful and impactful, do you think? Yeah. So I think when you have a concept, you can, there's two ways you can deliver it. You can either, either, you know, give it as a lecture, which is super boring. We have school already, we have work already. <laughs> um, or you can um, tell a story and those points tend to stick because they, they're human. They're like, they're things that we can all actually relate to. This is not this abstract concept. This is something real. This is something that we're experiencing, even if it never happened. And so, yeah, I think that's why I think then that's why you said, you know, you can you can use it as a brand. You can use it as anything that you do, because really all it is, is humanizing truth. Humanizing truth. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. so, so you're you're obviously well versed in this. You've you've taken these layers, poems, your little pops, pop. What are those called? Pop 
micro poems yeah like micro pop poems? poetry yeah pop poetry okay yeah. pop poetry added these layers of emotion to it and then still told this story along the way for somebody who has this inkling to write or has this desire to get published themselves even what does that process look like for starting to collect all those ideas and organize them so that's actually a really good question and i, and I think this can apply to to more than just writing to to, to anyone who has a passion I think you start by kind of like blue sky. Like, what do I, what makes me happy? Like, what do I want to do? What do I get excited about? And you start there or else, like, if you don't start there, you're never going to follow through. That's the thing. So you start by, you know, what gets you excited? And I think for me, you just make sure to make time to do that, which is something I did not do earlier in my life. I, uh, I started making time to write, you know, uh, you know, after all this stuff happened to me, I realized like what was important. And I, and I started making time to write. Um, so for me, I set a goal. I said, I am going to do three new micro poems every single day. And then whatever else I do is cool. Like I might do another poem. I might write a story, but I'm doing three micro poems every day. And so, you know, that's where the process starts. It's like, what do I love? How am I going to systematize this to make sure I'm consistent? So, and, and like I, the tool, the, uh, I guess the keys to success that I wrote for myself were consistency, you have passion and then you have consistency and then you have to have the right mindset. And so that mindset comes in when, when you get stuck and that's what, where most people stop. You know, I, I was injured. I didn't have money to pay for an illustrator. I didn't have money to pay for an editor. Um, but the mindset I'm talking about is a mindset of optimism uh, and it's a mindset of resourcefulness. Like, how can I, what can I do? So I accept that this is an issue. What can I try next? What can I do? And so I just kept trying different things and different things until, it, you know, it started to come together and it started to work. Yeah, we've actually had a handful of guests talk about, and Travis talks about all the time, like he owns a brewery and during the pandemic, right, that hit restaurants and that kind of stuff hard. But like, pause for a second. What do I have? This is where I want to go. Let's not focus on what I don't have because I don't have it. I can't do anything with it, right? Yeah, that was that was my life motto in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, ugly for a lot of people. I, I love those principles because the passion, the passion will get you started, right? The consistency, and then and then that other piece. Whenever you do get stuck, to move you through it, that's that's big. So you're sitting down, you're writing three of these every day. It's starting to come together. What challenges did you run into on that process outside of just your creative process? Like trying to get this book published has to have quite a bit of steps and involvement, right? Yeah. And that was the biggest issue is that I had no idea where to even start, you know, and a lot of people, when they don't know where to start, they just don't start. And I think for me, that was kind of me before. I hate to admit it, but the truth is like, if, if I had a boss telling me you need to get this done, I'd figure out a way to do it. But if it was me, that's something I wanted to do. I wouldn't figure out a way to do it. So I guess what changed was I decided that, you know, really is life worth living if you're not living it, doing something that you're excited about or something that fulfills you. So what I did, I guess, is, um, you know, specifically for writing is I found a community and I found that uh, through Instagram. I found that through TikTok later on, and I connected with people that had knowledge that I didn't. So you know, it's, 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 it's part hitting those people up and saying like, Hey, how do I do this? And just messaging people. Some people are responsive, but it's also part just being engaged with people in your, in your community. Like if, if you love to draw, find artists, talk to artists, comment on artists pages, like get to know them, send them messages. Um, I did that with poetry. You know, um, you can do that with anything, fitness, anything you're excited about. 
Uh, and once you have that community, you have resources, you have people you can turn to to ask questions, you know, like, how do I publish this, you know, what if I don't have an editor, what avenues can I go down. And it was actually easier than I ever thought it would be like self publishing it's a lot of work but it's not that hard, all the resources are right there for you. So editing is the toughest part without any money, but it, again, I had people that were like hey I, I love your passion I want to help you I'll, I'll help you edit this. You know, and that's what comes when you find a community and you get excited with other people. So, yeah, you also tell a story on your Instagram about the the illustrators too, right? Because you didn't have any money for that, but you were able to get some people involved. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So the illustrators saved my life <laughs> for real. <laughs> uh, they and so in multiple ways. Like number one, like those people were such a support system for me. Like going through like the woes of, a, of an artist and the woes of like the pandemic, we were there for each other. But in terms of the illustrations, I'd kind of given up. I'd said like, well, it's a poetry book. You know, I really, I really wanted a poetry book where I would have uh, poems and then art to uh, interpretations of that poetry to keep people engaged, especially since everyone's not familiar with poetry. I wanted, I wanted to make it approachable. But, you know, I just decided I, first of all, I can't even do a stick figure. <laughs> So this is not happening. Like at this point, like I'm, I'm just, I'm going to have to do it without, without any drawings, but I had the community, right? So I, I was basically just venting to people in the community. I was like, you know, you know, it's, uh, I'm really excited about this book and this is what it's going to be like. And I'm going through the emotional energies and this is what I'm going to do, but I don't have an illustrator. It's fine. You know? And one of them's like, why haven't you asked me yet? <laughs> like, I'll do this for you. And it was me like pushing back, like, no, like I believe, and I, and I truly do believe artists should get paid for their work. Like uh, it's, it's just like any job you deserve to get paid if you're valued. But they're like, well, you can't pay us right now. And um, we want to be part of this. Uh, like the first person who signed on was just, who's Sina. She did the illustration for the cover. It's beautiful. And I remember her just telling me like, it is an honor to be a part of something like this. Like, I love what you do. I've seen what you do. And to be part of a journey, this is, this is, she made me feel like I was doing her a favor and it was the most beautiful thing ever. And so after that, like it kind of opened me up. I, I started talking to more illustrators about it. A couple more volunteered. And then I started asking, which I think I probably should have done from the beginning. Like, hey, go to illustrators. Like, do you want to be part of this? This is something where we can all lift each other up. Uh, you know, you haven't been published before. I haven't been published before. Why don't I boost your art while you boost my words? And so it ended up being like a real collaborative uh, effort. It was pretty cool. What does that do for your your energy whenever you're in the middle of this process? <laughs> Man, it takes you from zero to a hundred. You know, yeah. I think whenever when someone else co-signs your passion, <laughs> there's nothing better than that, right? And honestly, the same thing when when um, when you, you when you guys found me and invited me to this show. It's kind of like co-signing the passion. And I feel like the more you put yourself out there, the more you get that kind of feedback that boosts you and it boosts the other person. And it's just, it's happy all around. Is that a repeatable process, finding like-minded people? Like, how do you go about it? I know you were talking about just getting online, doing this, you know, commenting and, but at some point, like you got to make contact, right? And you, and you got to let people know your value that you add to the community. What, how did you do that? Yeah, so I think uh, for me, that started, um, you know, you should just start no matter where you are, even if you don't think 
that the place where, that you're going to get the results that you need right away, you just got to start somewhere. And so for me, I had no idea that I was going to get any views or any comments on any of my poetry on any social media platform. But I started writing and I started putting it out there. And while I did that, I would also find other poets. So, you know, you find other people that are interested in the same thing and you start engaging on their posts. You start talking to them, you know, real engagement. I like, hey, love this heart, you know, like <laughs> real engagement. People, people really respect someone else who's genuine and authentic and really engages them in a real human way. And so I think that's what it was. It was just finding people and really treating them like human beings and, um, eventually those people become close, whether it's just colleagues or, or whether it's real friends that you make, you find a network that way. Even through social media, right? Like that is kind of a hang up, I guess, maybe this is a generational thing. I'm on the older side of the millennials, but like, it's hard to grasp this idea of building these authentic real relationships through these comments because it is also used for gain in a lot of ways. So how are you selective about who you're engaging with to make sure that you're, you know, you're also getting somebody authentic on the other side of this. Yeah, I think that's a, a trial and error process, or it was for me. I'm a millennial too, so you know, it's a, it's kind of like, uh, let me try it. And you know, you do run into people who you're like, oh, you're not who I thought who I thought you were. You know, you're you're here to kind of try to use me, or you are not. You're here to try to boost yourself. But you know, that's okay. Uh, you run into those people, and like, and you know, it's not about what doesn't work; it's about what does eventually. Those people reveal themselves sooner or later, and um, you'll find the people who are authentic and who you can actually connect with. And, you know, it doesn't have to all be through social media. There are personal connections that we have that we don't realize. People get comfortable, I guess, in their roles and friendships with family, and they just assume that they need to keep playing the same role they've always played. But there's nothing wrong with, uh, with getting excited and kind of like, pushing those boundaries, like talk to people who you never thought, you never considered maybe interested in your art. Talk to them about what they do, their passions, connect with them in that way. And you find some connections in, you know, quote unquote, real life that way too. Yeah. We actually uh, talked to a mindset coach this morning and he talked about, you have to let those relationships evolve. I mean, you like force that issue a little bit and it's paying out for you. This is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Push those boundaries, even if it's uncomfortable. That's the only way you get anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about I have no writing, no storytelling, no poetry background. What is the process of writing a, a poem that sticks and that is meaningful? That's so I think the process is going to be different for everyone, but I can kind of tell you about mine. The cool thing. So here's for me, here's poetry in a nutshell. Like people ask, what is poetry? And for me, it is writing without the limitations of regular, uh, you know, regular pair, uh, regular essays or regular any type of regular writing. So what I do is I take a concept, any concept that I'm feeling in the moment. I might even just take a truth. Like you could ask me right now, what is true to you? What do you feel right now? And it might be a sentence that doesn't even make sense. I might say the sky is purple. Like whatever you're feeling, whatever your truth is, you take that. And then for me, what I do is it is exp is dive deeper into it, expand upon it. What does that mean? And it takes you to places that you never expect. I guess my um, advice to anybody who's trying to be a creative would be just go wherever it takes you. Because a lot of people try to, you know, they have something in their mind of what a story should look like before they start or what a poem should look like before they start, what a movie, what a TV show should look like before it starts. 
Um, and so they, they put themselves in narrow confines, but what I would suggest to them is let it go wherever it takes you. And after it takes you there, after you have notes that might not even make any sense, look at them and make sense of them. And that's what I do with poetry. I kind of, it's kind of like a brainstorm, a dive deep into that brainstorm, and then I put it together afterwards. So it actually makes some sense. <laughs> so you have a, you have different drafts that you do for each poem typically? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, even the really short ones, they usually start off, um, I guess they make the same statement, but they don't sound good. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, it's just words. And I play with them until, until they create something that's a little bit beyond uh, just a sentence. How do you know? How do you know when you've, when you've landed on a poem? For me, it's a feeling. It's like, um, uh, I just describe it as like this, like this boom, like, got it. Like, I don't know, you just, um, when you read it back to yourself, you're like, oh, I feel that now. <laughs> you know, like, I feel it. <laughs> and, I, and I bet it's the same for anybody who has like an aha moment in whatever their field is. I bet it's like, um, when you get there, you just know. What are the emotions when you're refining that? Do you feel some frustration in, in the process? I know for me, when I try to write something and I get an awful first draft, not that I'm a writer, but, uh, you know, even like writing up policies or procedures for the employees that I have and stuff like that, I always get super frustrated when, I, yeah. when it doesn't come out right, <laughs> yeah. almost to the point sometimes where I'm like, oh, this is not even worth it anymore. Like, is that something that you experience? And what do you do when, uh, when you hit that kind of the mental roadblock of like, this is never going to work, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So oh, the answer is yes, over and over and over and over again, nonstop. I go through that. Yes. I think that uh, every artist needs to be miserable for a little while in order to make it work. And the key is to actually push through it, you know, or, okay. The key is to get through it. And I guess it's not always pushing. Sometimes it is setting that aside and saying, okay, I'm frustrated. So I'm not going to do that. But again, where else can I go now? What else can I do? What I always uh, asked myself is why am I frustrated with this? You know, so, and it, it's usually, you know, so it doesn't come out how we thought it should. That's usually why we're frustrated. If you think to anything you've done and when you got frustrated, what is, where does that feeling come from? It's usually because this isn't what I thought it should be. So when that happens, you ask yourself, why did I think it should be that? That's the first thing I ask myself. Why does it have to be that? And that's where you decide, you know, maybe there's someplace else I can go. Or if there's a good reason it has to be that, then you dive into what can I do to, to fix it. Staying unmet expectations, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. That's what but, frustrations are. Yeah. The, the ones that we make for ourselves and then are disappointed when they don't come to fruition. <laughs> yes. Yes. And to that point, that's what writer's block is. Like I try to explain, like, I feel like I had an epiphany a couple years ago when my friend gave me advice to get around writer's block. It's something that a famous American author, you guys probably heard of Ernest Hemingway, like it's something that he came up with um, and I've kind of like revised it. She revised it and then I revised it. She said, whenever you're stuck, just write the truest thing that you can think of, like a, a word or a sentence. And that alone changed my world. I literally have not had writer's block in five years um, since I got that advice because that's what it is. It's just, we have these expectations and those expectations aren't our own truth. So the only way to get around it is to instead just start with our own truth instead of starting with whatever those false expectations were. Even if that truth is, I'm an idiot, I'm really struggling with this. Yes. Even if it's that you have to accept it, you know, like that's the first step is like, this is, this is truth right now. This is my truth. I'm an idiot right now. So it's fine. 
<laughs> it's okay. We're all idiots sometimes. <laughs> this whole conversation you've talked about, you asking yourself these questions or you introspection on these types of feelings and you're very inward focused and looking into this. It feels like this might be a hard practice for a lot of people, right? But is there some practical application whenever we're in those spots, if it's writer's block or just block in our lives in general that we could use from what you've learned to help us move past some of these things? Absolutely. So I think that you're right. As an artist, a lot of it is introspective, you know, so like that's just the nature of it. Uh, and I think we all kind of went through that during the pandemic. There's a, a, like a lack of social contact. So we're all forced inward and we know the misery that can come with that. But, but I think having a person there, like, so, so you can kind of explain your process to a person and have them help to dig you out. Like have, have them ask just the question, why do you feel that way? Like, so, oh God, I'm so frustrated. I can't get this right. Well, why do you feel that way? Have them ask you why. Um, because a lot of times we're so stuck in what we were trying to do. We don't even know why we're feeling the way we do. And um, then have them ask you what else you can do. Well, what else could you do? It's literally that simple sometimes. What else could you do? And I think that's, that's, pra that's practical and that's applicable to any type of field. Like if I'm having trouble with my jump shot in, in basketball and I can't hit a three-pointer, and I'm, and I'm just like, I can't do this. And I'm just fuming. Uh, and somebody comes in and says like, why, well, why are you upset? I'm like, well, I can't hit a three pointer. Well, why are you upset about that? Right. And then I'm starting to think like, well, why am I upset? And then, you know, what else can you do? <laughs> so, and that makes me think, you know, should I not be shooting three pointers or am I, is it my form? What else can I do? It's, it's literally, it snaps you out of your own world. Um, and it can help. Get you out of the way, focus on possibility and solutions versus roadblocks and, and those frustrations. Absolutely. Yes. Oh my God. That's it. We're done. Wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> we found the secret to life. No more needs to be said. <laughs> Gold. Nice. So how long was this process to a self-published book? Cause you said it wasn't as complicated as you expected it to be. Right. Right. Um, so the writing part, and after you have all these different poems or these different pieces or chapters, putting it together, figuring out how that was complicated. But the actual publishing, it's way simpler than it was even 10 years ago. Um, you can go to Amazon. Um, it's called KDP, Amazon KDP. They kind of walk you through that, most of that process. You have to find your own editors, find your own illustrators. But as far as like putting the book together and, you know, how do I, uh, I guess, format the pages? How do I put the pictures in? Where do I put the words? How do I make a title page? Like they walk you through all of it. It's just on Amazon KDP. And even if you don't publish through Amazon, you can go there and use that as a resource. How crazy is that? What a different life we live in where it's that easy, right? It's insane. Yeah. And to, to think so many people stop when it is that easy, right? <laughs> because they don't know. Uh, yeah, you don't know, right? You're like, oh, this has to be hard. Look at the people that are doing this. They're smarter than me, better than me have something I don't have. So it must not be capable for me, possible for me. Yes. Don't we do that in so many aspects of our life? Like think that the people doing it must know a secret when they just tried, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they just tried. That doesn't help you that 90% of the internet ads out there say, learn my secret. You know, it's like right. we've, we fantasize this thing of like somebody's figured it out and that somebody wasn't me. So I just must not be able to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like there's all these gurus and I guess when you see gurus, you think there must be a need for them. So <laughs> I can't do it if I'm not a girl. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. I love hearing stories of somebody that just dug and figured it out and 
and had some success that way. So kudos. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I would love to just take, uh, so I think what happens when people are successful in any one thing is there is this tendency on the flip side to say, you know, I did it all myself. So everybody should just do it. And it's super easy. In a sense, it's true because the resources are out there for people to, to get the work done, but it, that is kind of, um, I don't want to diminish uh, people's roadblocks and people's obstacles because I went through all that stuff. I had a very dark 2019 and beginning of 2020 before I found my way. And there, if someone had told me it's easy, Garrett, during that time, I would have probably laughed and cried, you know, like that's not true. So I don't want to diminish that. I just think that once we get ourselves to the right place and to the right mindset, and if we can be consistent in that mindset, we can do it. But I don't want people to think that, you know, we don't have empathy for the places that they're in, you know, or for the fact that they haven't quite gotten to their dream yet. Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful statement because that's not the intent of this is to show you that it is possible, but not to beat you up because you haven't done it yet. Right. Let's expose you to somebody that's maybe empathetic and you can sympathize with because they've been in that boat, know where you're coming from, maybe can show you a path out. I agree. So there's a, there's actually a poem in my, um, in my book and I'll, I'll read it to you. It's a, it's a really short one that speaks to being in a tough place. Let me find it here. Um, so it's, it's super short, but it says, thank you for the rain. Without it, I could never have grown this garden. That is how I feel about my dark times now. Because without them, without that push, without that pressure, I would still be working a job that I hated. I would still be um, in the grind every day, not chasing my passions. If I hadn't fallen off, I would have never seen the necessity to chase fulfillment and to find a way and to be resourceful. So like, thank you for that rain. I couldn't have grown the garden that I have now without it. I got poetry for the first time ever just now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> See, it is approachable. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so simple yet so profound, right? Like if you read that, you're like, well, obviously you need the rain to grow the garden. Obviously, there's always light after the dark. That well, maybe not always, but you know what I'm saying. And to put that in that context behind your story, it's it's really thought provoking and emotional. It'll jerk on your your heartstrings a little. Thank you. Yeah. And that's what I try. That's why I think story is so important. Because like you said, that alone, that micro snippet alone is okay. That's true, but move on. <laughs> right. But when it's in the context of a story and when you have that emotional energy behind it, that's when it gains its meaning. There's another poem that comes shortly after that, that says gravity pulls downward yet everything grows. And that's, that's, an, that's another one of the, that's the same premise, you know, that's, we are all struggling but look where we're at <laughs> you know look at our lives we're moving forward so you know we can choose to concentrate on that which pulls us down or we can choose to concentrate on the garden when you're in that place of darkness like you're talking about your your 2019 early 2020 yeah you can't see the opportunity or or fight that the gravitational pull how did you how did you get back on top to get through this and to come out on this side of it looking so nice and and following a passion that you've been putting on the back burner for years. So I guess to to um, to tell that story, I have to like kind of paint a picture, which is I was um, I lost my business that I owned. I lost uh, so I lost my source of income. I lost my health insurance, and then I lost my health 
in 2019. I got severely injured. So I didn't have money to pay for surgery that I needed. And I was literally forced to move back in with parents. And um, I couldn't walk. I was stuck in a room. So I literally, I couldn't, to get to food every day, I had to pull myself you know, out of the room. I had to pull myself down the steps, uh, cook for myself and pull myself back up. I couldn't walk at all. Um, so that's where I was. And the reason that's important is because I couldn't do anything else other than reflect. <laughs> like I was incapable of it. I, I was, I felt hope, hopeless. I felt like there's no way I can get out of this. Like I don't have money to get out. I don't have medical help to get out. Um, I can't, I don't have, I can't work right now because I can't move. So I said, well, why is the universe putting me here then? And so I think I, I said, like, I have a choice here. I can either curl up in a ball and cry every day, or I can devote all of the energy I have to finding a way out. That's the choice. That's literally all there is to it. It's one or the other. And so I did the latter and I just, um, it, I mean, it didn't happen right away. I did definitely, there were days of crying, but um, I got to the place where I was trying to find a way out. And it was like, and it, like you said, you hit roadblocks. It was like, this didn't work. Okay, well, uh, I'm in that position again. I'm either gonna cry about it or I'm gonna do something else. Uh, and I just went through that whole process, um, kind of reassessed my whole life. And if that hadn't happened, if I hadn't had all the standard things lifting me up, pulled away, I would never have, I've never have written this book. It would never have happened. I mean, that's, that's a powerful story that gives some, some good context to this. And it's it, what I've seen the pattern with you is that you've just consciously made the choice over and over and over to look on the bright side and to take action because there's always a choice. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think um, what I realized, so for the longest time early in my life, I had always considered myself someone who never quit. I've always been that person, but I always did it by just pushing through. And what I realized is that like, eventually you burn yourself down doing that because you're not, you're not being authentic to yourself. So I guess the first step was to acknowledge that this does suck. Like, that's okay. You know, we're not, we're not putting ourselves in a dark spot, a dark place, just to acknowledge that this is not a happy place. You know, this is not good that I'm injured and that I'm broke, right? It's not a good thing, but it's not the end. And so I think that's the next step. We accept it first. And then we say, but this is just a place I'm moving through. And then we get to exactly what you said, where it's like, okay, what can I do? What can this give me? you know, what do I have? And then what can this place that I'm in provide to me? And it gave me some momentum. You got this book out. So was that, you capitalized on that time to obviously put the book together and create this story around it. Did you spend a lot of that time in there also writing poems or did you already have that in your, in your back pocket and you were just kind of waiting to pull it all out to piece it together? So for me, I spent most of the time writing new poems actually. Because I, so I had a whole collection. I mean, I have probably 400 unused poems. But the thing is, I didn't want to just piece something together. I wanted to create, like we talked about, a story. I wanted to create a unique experience, something that actually was new. Um, so I said, I'll use inspiration from the stuff I've already written, and maybe I'll take a piece or two, but I want to create something new. I feel like I skipped over this. I meant to ask Modern Day Magic is the title. What's the significance of Modern Day Magic? So when we, think of poetry again we think of like kind of like uh ancient magic like you know poems are deep i don't understand them but they're deep 
and um, they're not something that's relatable. And so what I said is like, just like we talked about taking any instance that's in your life, that's happening, that's going on in your life and finding the magic in it. That's kind of what uh, I'm doing with that title is I'm talking about the magic that exists today. This doesn't have to be something that's ancient. I guess these concepts that we fall in love with, the concepts of love, of fear, of passion, of romance, like they're in everyday, they're, they're here, they're in the pandemic. We can find that, right? And there are poems, I, I can read one of them if you'd like. Uh, like there was a poem about an experience I had during Christmas during the pandemic, which doesn't seem like a hopeful time. We can't be with our families. You know, we are social distancing. There's people sick. You know, we're worried about, you know, everything. And um, there's still magic in those moments if we look for it. That's what the book does. And that's why the title is Modern Day Magic. It's, it's finding the magic that does exist now that we can relate to. So is that what you're hoping somebody gets out of this? Is that's their takeaway from, from reading your, your poems and the story that you've put together here? Yeah, I hope. Uh, so I, I see it as kind of like a time capsule. Like, so these are experiences that we can all relate to that happened right now. And so there's stories like literally about the pandemic, about TikTok in there, you know, about Facebook. And so I think by saying that there's magic here right now, it's also a time capsule. It's something that people can remember this time and remember it in maybe a, a way that's a little bit different than they thought of it while they were experiencing it. Um, and, you know, they can do it 10, 10 years down the road too and say, I remember that time. And wow, like, you know, I never thought of it that way. That's actually kind of beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. So I've got one. I got to admit here that I got one on order, but it's not here yet. I was hoping it would show before we got to the calendar and I was like, crap. So, so yeah, could you, is that Christmas one available for the context? You told the, the story and yeah, yeah. I'll read it. Let me see here. Okay. So yeah, it's called, so a lot of the poems are titled a modern day something. So we can tie back, you know, something that we can all relate to, to something that's happening now. So this one's titled uh, modern day Christmas. Um, so a poetic pandemic. Last Christmas, a man with a long white beard and ruddy cheeks ran half naked through the back alley streets behind my house. He had on dirty red snow pants and a deep three-syllable laugh that bounced around like marbles in your chest even after he was gone. I'll always remember the way he sloshed about in the half-melted curbside snow, shouting at spectators only he could see, telling them how naughty they'd been and leaving half-shattered liquor bottle presents on their doorsteps. He kicked snow at confounded city cats and pulled down strands of lights, so they draped behind him like, flowing, like a flowing Christmas cape as he fled the scene. No reindeer, no sleigh bells, but the sound of sirens and glowing lights followed him down the block and out of earshot. While the whole world was going through a pandemic, he was busy climbing fire escapes, falling over trash cans, and leaving us all with the best holiday gift we never asked for an unforgettable memory. Modern day Christmas. You really have that guy running through your alley? So like most, <laughs> so yes, <laughs> right. But, uh, but it's it embellished of course, as most poetry and most writing is right. Like it's embellished, uh, but yeah, there's a dude running through the alley. It's Baltimore. So <laughs> it's Baltimore. It's, Baltimore. It, it's John. I know him. <laughs> <laughs> that was my neighbor. Ah, uh, that, so this is art, right? Like it's, it's the interpretation, but whenever you're going through this, you've got to have your interpretation as well. Are you trying to portray that on somebody? Or are you just hoping that they, it connects with them on a different level where they can interpret it? That, that feels like a weird disconnect to me, right? Because you put this out there with how you feel it 
and experience it and then you set it up there and then somebody else experiences different does that it feels like it would take away from your experience of it so that's like that's such a deep question um <laughs> it really is so many artists like i, I guess that's an art that's an argument in the artist uh, artistic community you know my feeling is that art is made to be interpreted by each individual person in their own individual way um i'm creating ex an experience that's my job just to create an experience I can push them towards one way or push them towards another way, but it's up to them to interpret it the way that they feel. Uh, and when you let go of that control, it feels good because then, you know, it takes the pressure off the writer, to be honest. So yeah, that's the way I see it is that like, I create an experience, whether it's something that I've had myself or something that I dreamt up, and I give the reader the tools to interpret it in the way that they want to. Takes a lot of pressure off of me whenever my book shows up. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> interpret that however you want. <laughs> Appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> so along those lines, it's funny, like to kind of exemplify that concept, that's the same reason I got these uh, illustrators involved, really. Like I didn't tell the illustrators, I need a picture of this or I need a picture of that, which I think most uh, most authors do. They say, like, draw. A this is what I want. This is my idea. But I didn't do it. Instead, I said, here's the poem. What do you think of it? And I said, like, here's a number of poems. Which one would you rather draw? And they said, they picked one. And I said, well, what, what do you have in mind? And so they came up with their own interpretation of the poetry with their art. So like when you open the book up, you'll see like all the, all the art in there. That's their vision. So that's their vision alongside my words. That's an interesting twist. There, there are these words that you've written and then somebody's interpretation illustrated in there. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was it was cool. You know, it's so cool once you let go of that control to see how someone else views your words. Like half the time it was, you know, um, I wrote a poem that said, uh, I wish you could have loved me as hard as you lured me. The interpretation of that was like the woman drew an amazing picture of like this girl. It's, it's, it was like Alice in Wonderland-esque. She's like in a bottle on a swing set. It was like this like comp I had no idea this was not in my mind this is her interpretation and it's the coolest thing there were times when I had to say like wait you know that's way different than the the theme of that chapter and then you know just kind of give them a little bit to to adjust the illustration but mostly you know I just took what they thought and ran with it were there any illustrations that just totally caught you by surprise in a good way yes so that one the kind of Alice in Wonderland girl was one of them there was one about, uh, I don't know the poem's words off the top of my head, but it's about basically letting your words out into the world and, um, you know, not holding them back and, and watching the words, like, you know, take on a life of their own. And she drew this picture of this up-close face with this long tongue coming out and these figures, these little figures dancing on the tongue and then diving off the tongue. Uh, and then she drew a globe underneath as in like these words are jumping off the tongue and then diving down into the earth. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is better than my poem. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there were times when I was pleasantly su surprised for sure. Yeah, the illustrations, have you experienced your own poetry any differently? They did. Yeah. And uh, in one case uh, or in a few cases, I, they actually had me rewrite it. They had me readjust the poetry. Yeah, which was, a, I didn't expect going into it, but it was a really cool twist. It's like, I love this interpretation and I think the words would be better if they reflected that. Um, so I would adjust the words. All right, I, I have your second book idea for you. 
<laughs> what is that? You put this group of artists together and they have them draw pictures with no context. And then you write poems to match the artwork. I love it. I love it. And that's actually something I've explored a little bit on Insta in the past. Uh, I don't remember the girl's Insta tag I would give it, but um, so I was really inspired by her art. So I did draw some poetry for it and I sent it to her and she actually reposted the art with the poem under it. She said, this is awesome. So yeah, that's actually a great idea for a book. There you go. That's that. Give back to those artists, right? Let's publish that as the highlight. And then we'll just throw a little script underneath it to maybe add to it. It's fun. Their art's the highlight. I like that. It makes me want to be an artist or a poet or something. This is inspiring <laughs> to me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Do you think poetry, art in general, is something that is just innate? Or do you think that some brick cold soul of a human like me could learn to be a poet? <laughs> brick cold soul. <laughs> no. uh, so actually, um, kind of an unpopular opinion. I think that everyone is an artist. Every single person. I think that um, the type of art that they can create optimally is different for each person. So I may be somebody who's good at communication and good with words. So cool, that's my thing. Um, if you ask me to create, like, if you ask me to be an architect or to create a statue or do sculpting, it would turn out terribly. If you ask me to draw, like, I taught myself a little bit for this book, but I, I couldn't do that either. So I think that we are, are we all are artists. We just have to tap into whatever our art is. Instead of, again, putting ourselves into a frame, just ask ourselves what draws us and go from there. There's That's nail hope. art. Yeah, See, there's hope for you. Yes, <laughs> there's 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 like nail art. There's like there's so many different types of art. Um, people think like, you know, drawing and writing and sculpting and painting is all there is. But there's not there's way more than that. Um, people can do some pretty awesome things, even people that are very analytical minded. Yeah. And. I think that's big, right? Is finding like your art. So can we define that a little bit? Like, how would you say, if you're telling somebody to find their art, how would you guide them? What emotions to follow or thoughts or what would the approach be to that? Yeah. So I guess um, I'm just thinking of this now. And I think uh, art is, so I think you start out with your passion. You know, what do I love? All that art is, is taking off the constraints. <laughs> so, you know, if you love uh, reading, then you take off the constraints of, of what someone else wrote and now you write. If you love you know, walking on the beach and, and looking at sunsets, you take the constraints off of that and you say like, well, why don't you paint that sunset or why don't you make that sunset? Like, um, you like, uh, you love cars? Well, you know, what do you love about cars? Do you love the design? Because you can be an artist in multiple ways. You can design the car, the inner parts. You can design the, you know, the body. Uh, I think you start off with what you love, and then you say, "Blue sky." Like, what would I like to do with that? A blue sky thing keeps coming up. Yep. I think it's all about removing constraints. That's what. That's the secret to life. Is we all have these constraints and expectations, and we're the ones who set them. They're not real. I thought you didn't have any secrets. <laughs> for the seven steps Just check one. out his class <laughs> <laughs> so i'm here to announce that i'm also a guru and i'm going to give you your seven steps <laughs> so you're saying you have it all figured out then no i'm uh i'm making this up as i go and it just it happens to work <laughs> that's life right like you're making up and uh, i was gonna say like the nice thing is but it's not the nice thing because you told us a story a little bit like you were forced into this. The constraints were removed for you, right? Your business, yes. your the life, the whole life you had was stripped. So you're given this opportunity. 
what if that's not the case? What if somebody's sitting in their nine to five and they go home and they put their kids to bed and they watch TV and they get up and do it all again in the morning? Those constraints that they put around themselves, how do we start to break through that, do you think? I love that. Um, yeah, so I think you learn from my experience, from other people's experiences. You don't want to have to be at the very bottom before you start to climb. You don't have to be. What you can do is stop one day and reflect and ask yourself, is your life going in a direction that makes you happy? And if the answer is yes, if the answer is yes, and you're doing a nine to five and you're happy and you're coming home to the wife and the kids, and this is what you want to do, then do it. Keep doing it. There's nothing wrong with it. But if the answer is no, I don't want to do this forever, then find a way to stop. You know, at that point, you've got to say that before I hit rock bottom, let me start to climb. Let me start to use some of these techniques that we talked about. You know, let me start trying to um, find my passion, add consistency to that, be resourceful about that. Uh, but it starts with saying, with recognizing that you're not happy in the direction that you're going, or you're not as happy as you could be. I think we've all been there at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Especially recently, you know? So can we talk a little bit about that? What has been the, you, you're putting up your Instagrams full of wonderful poems and some very like really deep and thought provoking or emotionally provoking words. Did you notice any changes in your engagement during the pandemic or how did that impact other than tearing your life apart, obviously, but like your engagement with other people and their engagement with the arts? Did you notice anything with that? Yeah, I noticed a, um, a market increase. So, I mean, not just on Insta alone. For me, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's gotten harder and harder to grow on Insta. But for me, like, there's always platforms that pop up. Like, again, you always find another way, right? So there's TikTok. For me, that was a place where I could, I have more followers there than Insta now. And uh, there's also, I feel like LinkedIn's an untapped avenue. I haven't even tapped into it, but there's organic reach there. Any place where there's organic reach, you can tap into. But yeah, so during the pandemic, I think people were looking for stuff to consume. And so it goes back to asking yourself, like what you mentioned earlier, what do I have in front of me right now? What advantages do I have? Well, that's the advantage you know, people are right there, they're tuned in, they're looking for something. So give them something, you know? Have you all, you alluded that you were an entrepreneur. It's, have you always been that opportunist? <laughs> no, is the answer. Um, I have not been, I was, uh, <clears throat> I guess it's really hard for me to pinpoint when I became like opportunistic and, and resourceful. I'm not really sure, but it is something that I've had to learn and grow. And I did that partially by watching other people. And that's why I give the advice, like, you know, if you're not in a place where you know how to push, then find people who do talk to them, watch how they do it. Who was it for you? Who do you watch the most? You know, we said that gurus aren't a thing, but uh, there is a guru who I, who I do, um, who I do watch. And that's uh, Gary V. A lot of uh, this mindset about like, do what makes you happy, but, but just find a way to do it. He never says it like that, but that's how I see it. And um so I watched him. I also watched people in my own life, you know, like uh, one of the people I went into business with was uh, my ex and she, her father was an entrepreneur. He was actually from another country. He came here, he built everything that he had from nothing and he became a very wealthy person. And just like hearing those stories and, and, and then trying to figure out what it was that made that work. I think that got me to a place where I started to think about what can make it work for me. That's that in that introspection again, taking 
these models and seeing these lessons and, and interpreting them for yourselves, you seem to have this knack for that level of interpretation from like what the world, what the real world is to however I need to interpret it to get emotion out of it. Yeah. So, and I think that is innate for me. Like that's just, that's how I do things. I've always been a reflective person and like kind of an analytical person in that way. But I think there are other ways for other people. Like, so first of all, I think it's, that kind of reflection is necessary for everyone. Like we have to do that um, in order to get us ourselves to the place and that we want to be in to grow. But if you're a person that is like outgoing and, you know, less introspective and always trying things, then do it that way. That's, that will work too. It'll work through trial and error, but just keep going and just keep trying new things. It will work. As you're going through this, and I know it's all of your emotions in a book, but did you have some as you were writing them that were either groundbreaking for you or just maybe changed your path? So of the poems, do any of them stand out more than others for you? Uh, yes. Um, so there were a few that are extremely personal to me, which so for me, when I write again, I write for to create an experience for other people. So I write to create a story for other people. But there are a few times in there where I poured out and that was something that was unusual for me is just this is just me. And some of those um, were powerful and I learned from them myself. And then there are also pieces that I just thought were extremely relevant. Um, I can actually read one of those. It's, it's called Wintry Woods. And it was just the things that I've learned from some from relationships that I've had. And I kind of put that into, into poetry. I can read that one if you like. Sure, please. Find it here again, a million bookmarks. Here we are, found it quicker this time. <laughs> okay, so Wintry Woods. I learned all my lessons chasing her through the trees. I learned someone can leave you a million times if you never let them go. That breathing in the cold for too long will freeze the lungs and slow the heart. I learned to duck the low limbs, that the hardest hitting things always catch us by surprise. I learned to slow down because moving fast doesn't always mean getting to your destination sooner. I learned to watch out for black ice, that it's always the unexpected things that take our balance and our breath. I learned there is absolutely no discernible difference between day and night when you've spent all of your time trapped in another's shadow. I learned that if you chase someone for long enough, you're going to wind up lost. That some people don't want to be caught, only pursued. And I learned that snow heavy boughs may not break right away, but they will bury you in ice if you refuse to stay away. So yeah, that's definitely one of my faves. What does that mean for you? So I think uh, it's just another way of taking these uh, taking something that we all experience, which is just a walk through the woods, right? Or just, uh, just chasing somebody through woods, a story like that. And it's taking, again, reflective, right? It's taking lessons from that that you can apply to concrete lessons that you can take and apply to everyday life. So someone can leave you a million times if you never let them go. Just take that line alone. I think we've all been in relationships where we've hurt and then hurt again, and then hurt again. Even if we're not with the person anymore, we, you know, maybe there, something pops up on social media, it hurts us again. Maybe we get a text and it hurts us again. We see something that reminds us, us of them. And that's the thing, if we never let them go, it's gonna keep hurting us. And again, that applies just to the woods. Like if you don't let that person es escape, they're going to keep hurting you. Every line has depth like that. I learned to duck the low limbs that the hardest hitting things always catch us by surprise. Um, and I think that's the way it is in life. Like for me, I never expected, you know, to kind of be blindsided by my partner in business and I never expected to be injured. And 
and it hit harder because I didn't expect it. So I think every line of this, you know, takes what happened in that chase in the woods and, and applies it to everyday life in a way that we can all relate to. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I'm a very visual person. I don't know, Travis, I think we talked about this, right? Like you don't actually see images in your head whenever you're talking to people, right? Right. That That's a weird thing for me. Like some people just don't see things. Right. I could I, I could see myself in the woods getting slapped in the face by a branch and it's an X that's holding it back and like whack punch in the head. Like that's how that is in mine. So Travis, as he's going through that, I'm intrigued. What's going on in your head? Yeah, man, I just love listening to it. And I, I'm a kind of person that has to kind of think through something like when I hear it, I sometimes I gotta think about it for a while before I have a response, but it just like every line I was intrigued and like, what's, what's going to happen next. And so totally following that storyline uh, that you created, not visually so much, but like, I, I couldn't wait to hear the next line just to see how it fit in. So man, you're, you're really a good wordsmith. Appreciate that. Man. Yeah. And I think it doesn't, it doesn't have to, like you said, you know, it can be visual and that's kind of how I am when I read it, but you know, you can analyze the words and take the lessons that way too, you know, and, you know, always be curious about what's next. I think in a sense, I'm like, I'm like you too. And in, in that, like, it helps to actually have it in front of me. Like if I'm, it's cool if you hear a story, but like, if I actually have this in front of me and I can read the lines, I can read them as much as I want to read them. I can read them over again. I get more from it that way too. I guess that's the point of owning the book. So everybody go buy it. Go buy the book. Good plug. <laughs> No, that's, that's cool. So why that one for you, you said like, that's one of your favorites. Why is that one of your favorites? I think it's one of my favorites because, um, well, first of all, it's because it all came to me in a day, which is very rare for a poem that's of that length for me. Just like, it, and it came so authentically in the sense that like, I had just come in from a walk in the snow. And I was like, I sat down and I was like, oh my gosh, like, just kind of like thinking about next. And I was like, just started writing. So um, when it turned out to be so relatable, uh, like I guess when a personal experience ends up being so relatable, that's why it's my favorite um, or one of my favorites because it meant a lot to me, but I also feel like it's one that can touch other people pretty easily. Yeah, it's an experience, right? Like you're taking us through this walk in the woods and I, I think you framed it up brilliantly earlier about like what art is supposed to do and and having that experience and hell, I'm starting to think that we need to change our podcast a little bit, make this more of an art form because that's what we're trying to do here. Like we're trying to give listeners an experience through your story and maybe they can make some changes in their life or feel motivated and inspired. But you, you found a modality that you're definitely fit for. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. And let me just say this. I think that you have made the podcast an art form in a way. Like that's the thing we don't need to be limiting in the, in the way we think about art. We all are. But I think like, like you have a flow, you know, like just, all right. So one thing I could never do is what you do is like, you know, when you get a response to a question, you branch it, you put it, you take it somewhere else. You give me something that I can elaborate on. That's an art. That's an art. You're doing that. So hey, you're already an artist. <laughs> We've made it. Yes. You made it. Never thought we'd be an artist. We're, we got to make some, we got to write some letters to some middle school teachers. I think Travis, <laughs> <laughs> I made it teach. <laughs> Yes, I, I have some some art teachers from my past that would probably never believe that I was an artist. So when did when did your book go live? Is that the term? Yeah. So I, I think technically the date's like uh, October twenty sixth, but really I announced it on November first. It was November first that it was live. Okay. And how's the response been? 
It's been great. Um, so I guess I definitely came into it without an expectation that it would blow up, just knowing that I, once again, I didn't have the money to spend on marketing um, and all like little bells and whistles. Uh, and I knew it was going to be a slow build, just like everything worth doing. But I was actually surprised by the initial push in terms of like people that were interested that I never thought would be. I guess the most exciting part to me was when people actually got the book in their hands and their feedback, just like to hear authentically, like how much they loved it. You know, that was no matter what you do, I, I, no matter what any artist says, I have to feel like you always worry about after you create a thing, are people going to like it? And so knowing that they did, that was uh, that was the most exciting, most fulfilling part to me. What was that fear like? We Travis and I talked about that fear with this. We were really worried about people not listening, right? Putting it out there and nobody cares. Yeah. I mean, it took us how long to even start it? Years. We talked about doing something like, like two this years. Yeah. Finally, we started doing it, but it was all fear-based constraints. For me, I mean, I'm going to be perfectly honest. As I got to the end, I had doubt. I was never not going to put it out, but I felt like maybe I shouldn't, you know? Like I got to the end and I was like, I don't know what people are going to think about this. I kept saying, I need to spend more time. I need to make it more perfect. I need to make it more perfect. It was actually my friends and my father who said, Garrett, like you're always growing as an artist and as a person, like you are never going to be as good at the beginning as you are at the end. So, you know, if you go back at your, to the stuff you wrote first, you're always going to be able to improve it. This is a cycle that will never end put out the damn book. <laughs> so that's what I did. I just said, hey, I've got to have a place where I say, the product is done and I'm going to take a chance and um, just go for it. And I'm assuming that's what you guys did too. Eventually just went for it. Yeah. No, we're, we're still learning as we go too. But yeah, I think that the, the biggest roadblock is just putting it out there. And once you put it out there, you can kind of roll and start to see some other opportunities, but until it's out there, you just, you have no idea. I agree. Yeah. Like once it's there, it's like, um, once it's there and the first people consume it, then you're good, whether it's like, you know, what you thought or less or more, like you take what it is and you roll with it. But it's like, it's, you're right. It's the fear that holds you back. It's not the actual thing that happens. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Did you have stories in your head that you were telling yourself or what, what was, the, Oh yeah. <laughs> what was going on in your life at that time? Cause you said, you're like, I wasn't ever not going to publish it, but those, my, those thoughts definitely creep up. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I, <laughs> so I imagined, you know, just like, putting the book out and posting it on uh, on Insta and Facebook and getting like zero comments and five likes and no purchases. And then like having to like actually physically go give my book to people, like, please read this. Like I imagined all the worst case scenarios, so, like, uh, but they didn't happen. So you go through all those things in your mind. And I think for me, I, I just tried to stop uh, having any expectations or any stories at all about that and just just say like, uh, trust the process, you know, put it out. It's done now. Where's your confidence in trusting that come from? Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I actually think, so I would like to say that, you know, you just got to do it. Um, you know, and you definitely do have to step out of your comfort zone, but there's a build. There was me posting it on Insta first and seeing people's feedback. And then me thinking, well, if they liked those microphones, these are better. You know, if they liked it when it wasn't a story, these are better. I read other people's poetry books and I tried to read mine objectively. I asked people around me to, to read my rough drafts objectively. And it, they compared favorably to a lot of people that have published big books. So I said, like, that kind of gave me, you know, even though you second guess and wonder if people are telling you the truth, it gives you the confidence you need to actually at least move forward. That's awesome. Back to your community again, right? Building you up in, in whatever format, whether it's drawings for you or it's just, hey, this is 
I reviewed it. This part sucks. Clean it up. This part's great. Go with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. Having those people who you know are going to be honest with you, you know, and tell you if this part sucks, like that makes you more confident in the end because, you know, you know, they're telling you the truth when it comes down to it. Yeah. With authentic peeps again. Yeah. I think that's it. Like that's, um, I guess that is a key, like if I were to say one key to um, doing something that you don't know if you have the capability to do, it's building that community in all ways it helps. So it's been out for two months. Let's call it a month and a half because you said November 1st, right? You're coming, coming into the, maybe the, the sexy time is over from it, the honeymoon phase, and it's coming to a little bit of sustainment. What is your path forward with the book or another book or whatever you're working on? The cool thing about this book is that I think there are many paths forward because of because of how many people were involved in making it, like all these illustrators. So I definitely am going to be doing uh, illustrator spotlights um, over the next month uh, on my page where I'm taking an illustrator or two every week. I'm um, you know showing off their art and I'm showing how my words apply to that art. They deserve to be boosted after all the help they gave. And I think that also boosts the book. Like it's it's always like it helps both sides. So I plan on doing that. I also plan on, you know, when you work a nine to five job, you know, everything takes a little bit longer. So, you know, after work, you know, every day I'm thinking of ideas for social media. Uh, you know, I know at any time something can blow up on TikTok and go even more viral. Uh, so, you know, I intend to keep putting out social media content like that. Uh, and yeah, I expect this to build and build over time. As far as next projects, I'm already working on a, um, a novel, a fiction novel. So already on the next project as well. Yep. It's been something I've been working on for a couple of years. So do you have a, a desired date of release for that? Or is that just when you get it right, you'll know when it'll be time. So um, I want to say probably um, the goal, this is like a stretch goal, I guess, would be not this coming summer, but the summer after that. That's, uh, you know, maybe delayed uh, or may come out earlier. I'm not sure. But uh, I think that's a reasonable goal. It'll probably get delayed a little because you'll have to like, you'll have your Oprah interview before this book and you'll have like your, your late night television that you'll have to do your guest spots on. Like it'll get pushed back a little bit from all the fame you garner from this, obviously. Yeah, I'll have to tolerate that, right? Yeah, and I'll be doing what Travis said. I'm coming out with the second poetry book first anyway, because this one's too successful to go on something else. So modern day part two. Right, modern day part two. <laughs> oh, I love it. You said you were, you're working a full-time job and you're going to take the time to highlight the artist. Some practical things for listeners. If they're working towards something like this, promoting a book, building a business content online, whatever that is, and they're working a nine to five, do you have some secrets as a guru would that keep you on task that you've been able to leverage or some lessons that you've learned that they can use? Because people see this as another one of those things. I work a nine to five. I can't do that. Well, here you are doing it, making it work. What makes you so great? No offense. <laughs> I think um, I think I stumbled into this, and it's something I've had a hard time with in the past too. So, like, I'm somebody that tries to give 120 percent to whatever nine to five job I'm doing, and usually that means you're exhausted after work. So, the hard thing for me is to say when I'm at work, like, you have to this is what I would do. I would, I would write down a list of priorities. And at all times, before you do anything that requires an intense effort or intense energy, you think back to how it matches up with your priorities. So I am I going to take on this extra project at work? What does that mean? Okay, so it's going to help me, you know, maybe get up to get my promotion at work sooner. Is that more important to happen sooner? 
or is it more important that I promote this book that I have dreamt about my whole life and is my road to fulfillment, right? <laughs> it sounds simple, but when you're in that moment, you're probably going to do the work thing if you don't think about the priorities because it's right there in front of you and you have pressure from your boss. So that's the first thing I'd say is like have a list of priorities. And while you have to do what you have to do to get by at work, you always have a way to kind of like, uh, I don't know, structure your time or structure your energy. Uh, what I also did was um, come up with a reasonable and practical list of things that you can do consistently every week. Um, so for me, I'm not going to say I can do an artist feature every day. That would be awesome. But I, again, have a nine to five. So I'm saying I'll do two a week or one a week if I can't get to two. And then I, I plan out my week, uh, you know, and I say each day, these are the things I'm going to do in order to get to that goal. So you're really intentional with just protecting your energy to make sure you have something in the reserve for this. Yes. Energy protection is the thing I did worse in the past. I got myself sick uh, at jobs in the past, just working so hard. And, you know, I'm really, I'm super competitive, even though it probably doesn't come across. I really am. And so, um, yeah, uh, just understanding that I will run myself into the ground if I don't set my own rails, you know? And so that's something that I consciously do now. Yeah, good practice. So one of the things that uh, you've, you've pointed out through the whole thing is like you, you pointed out how reflection has been such a key to success and kind of looking inward and figuring out like, why am I doing what I do? And is there a better way? And so there is one poem in the book. Uh, there's a micro poem um, that I thought of uh, when you were mentioning that. It's super short, but it, it does apply. It says, isn't it amazing how the look of everything changes when we change how we look at ourselves? And that is like what we've talked about in a nutshell. Everything else changes when you change the way you look inwardly, which is something that uh, when I wrote that, you said, is there, are there any poems that were kind of like an epiphany when I wrote them? That was one of them. I was like, oh my gosh, I can use this, <laughs> you know? Yeah, simple and short, but profound. Thank you. Guru type stuff. You're getting me on this. Uh, you know, I'm having <laughs> second thoughts about this guru. Bandwagon here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it really is. Though. These gurus is just people sharing their experiences and what the truth is, right? And we can hang a guru label on it because this is your truth. This is your experience. And it's, it's beautiful. And there's, it's being well received, as you said, and, and you're putting yourself out there. And what do you hope that this, not to set expectations, but what do you hope this becomes either for you or for the, the readers? Yeah. So I hope this is just the start is the truth. I hope that people have a profound experience when they read this book and an enjoyable, fulfilling experience. But I hope this is just the start. I want to keep creating for people and I want to do this until I create for people full time. That's the goal. I've started a Patreon to try to meet that goal. You know, I've released this book. And so that's why I say this is step one. And while I'm super excited about having published it and about the reception to me, I want to get this book in as many people's hands as possible um, so I can keep creating for those people. And so that's what I hope it becomes. All right. So how do we find you? How do we send money to your patron? buy the book, follow you on TikTok and Instagram. Where are you at? Cool. Yeah. So um, you can find me on uh, TikTok at Garrett.ash. Uh, so at Garrett.ash. Um, I'm the same on Insta, but it's at Garrett.ash underscore because some guy took Garrett.ash already. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm on, you can also find my Patreon, uh, my Patreon by going to patreon.com and searching for Garrett Ash. Uh, or going to my Insta, I have a link right there um, 
uh, to go to all those sites. And if people want the book, they can go to amazon.com, search for Modern Day Magic Garrett Ash. It's that simple. Garrett, this is phenomenal. Thank you so much for taking the time, being so open and authentic, as you put it so well. We appreciate it. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for the, having, me, having me on and giving me this opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>